You're listening to a Sunday morning message by Authentic Church. Brilliant. Oh, well, thank you for the invite again. And uh, I have to say, I was quite excited to get, get the invite because I do love visiting other churches and just seeing what God is doing in different situations. And uh, so we really are delighted to be here. I'm sure um, Rosemary's been introduced to you now, my lovely wife, and Rob and Sonata decided they'd come along for the ride, which is, which is great. And uh, if you didn't pick my name up, it's Adrian. Or if you're like me, you forget names as soon as you've heard them. Because yes. I've been a teacher for over 30 years, and I always reckon my head is full of names. I haven't got room for, for many more. But uh, um, we... We're both teachers, and teachers often marry teachers, don't they? Although I first set eyes on Rosemary at school when she was about 12. Uh, so we, we really were childhood sweethearts. And, uh, um, but, uh, yeah, we ended up getting married, and uh, um, I was teaching in Stowmarket. I was um, in senior um, school, and she was actually primary. And um, I went through the school. I started off as a PE teacher and moved on to teaching science and then went into management and assistant head and deputy head. And for a little while, I was acting head. And that convinced me that wasn't what I wanted to do (laughs) because you just have to live it. It takes over. And I wanted room in my life for a few more things. So um, I actually took early retirement, which was against the odds, but I really felt that was a, a God thing. And then we sort of went into church leadership for a while. We led a small Baptist church near Stowmarket, and then we pitched up at what was DC3, now Hope Church, and uh, I was assistant leader there for a while. Um, so I've been in church leadership a lot of years, but in 2019, I just felt God tell me it's time to step back from church leadership. I still do speaking, and we do a lot of the community stuff, but I'm not actually in leadership But then in 2020 or 2020, as you know, something happened, which was COVID and lockdown. And I was so glad I heard God (laughs) because I didn't have to go through all the stress of guiding a church through lockdown and COVID. It wasn't an easy time, was it? But uh, anyway, um, that's a little bit of our our story. But I just felt this morning, um, this is not what I wanted to speak about. And I'm sure you know the scripture do not despise the day of small things. Now, I think that is such an important scripture because um, it's just what I feel for you this morning because if you look back at the reason for that, it was when the foundations of the temple were being laid. Now, the story was Solomon's temple in all its splendor and its grandeur had been destroyed and there they were laying the foundations for the new temple and the people were weeping because it looked so small and impoverished compared to what was there before. And that was the word God gave them, do not despise the day of small things because that was the foundation for the temple that the Son of God would eventually come to in fulfilment of all prophecy. So that was so important. And I must admit, when I got the invite here, I was thinking, what, a new church? Do do we need another new church? And I just felt God say to me, when revival comes, I will need every church that's going. And, and, you know, I I really feel that God is getting something ready. He's got something up his sleeves. I mean, we're part of a small group as well. We feel that something is going to happen, and God is preparing us. He's preparing you. Don't despise the day of small things. 
God's got something up his sleeves, I'm absolutely convinced. That wasn't what I was going to talk about this morning. I just felt that while we were praying. But uh, uh, I want to just start with a little story this morning. And um, it was a while back. Um, we were going to a small ceremony uh, where my nephew's ashes were to be interred. He died far too young from a heart attack. And uh, um, so had the funeral, obviously. And it's time to actually put his ashes in the ground. And that was taking place in a, an out-of-the-way North Norfolk churchyard. Unfortunately, um, on the way, we got stuck in holiday traffic, so we arrived a bit on the late side, a bit flustered as you do, you know. We rushed out of the car, and uh, I decided to leave my phone in the car. Um, it was a warm day, uh, unlike the moment, but um, and I didn't have a coat or a jacket on, and as you know, modern trousers are not always well designed for putting phones and things in, so I'll just leave it in the car. It'll be fine. But I did actually feel this nudge to take my phone, which was a bit weird, and I just dismissed it and I thought, why would I need my phone out in a churchyard in the middle of nowhere? Anyway, we rushed to the spot in the churchyard late with everyone watching, family, friends, when my nephew's partner said to me, Adrian, you do churchy kind of things. Would you say a few words? And uh, do you ever have that feeling like a rabbit in headlights? You know, because um, in my time, I have taken quite a few funerals and committals and the like, but never unscripted. And suddenly be put on the spot like that, I was thinking, oh, what do I do? But usually when I do a committal or something of that sort, my go-to has often been Psalm 23. And I thought, no worries, I'll just speak Psalm 23 and bring something out of it, because I've got Psalm 23 on my, <laughs> on my phone. Okay, right, never mind, I know it off by heart, I can do this, I can still say it. Now the problem is, in the heat of the moment, things just sort of go pew, don't they? And I started off fairly okay, I think, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want... He leaves me to decide still what, you know, the, the usual sort of bit. And then as it went on, I think I got a bit confused and I jumped ahead to a verse and then I probably went back to another verse. And in the end, I just decided to cut to the chase and go to the last verse. I don't, is it on there? If I click. Right, yep. And I'm sure you all know the last verse really well because I knew that was where I wanted to get to. Surely, goodness... And love or mercy in the old version will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I knew I wanted to end with that reassurance of knowing that Father God prepares a place for us and we get to dwell there forever. And then that's what I brought out. I ended with a prayer of thanks for my nephew's life and a thank you that I, <clears throat> I believed that he was in that place, the place that God had prepared for him forever. And I thought, phew, I got away with that, okay. Until afterwards, my brother came up to me and said, that was like Eric Morecambe's piano playing. All the right notes, just not in the right order. <laughs> isn't it like siblings always just, just sort of bring you down a bit, isn't it? They're always so uplifting, aren't they? But uh, a little reminder there, it's always good to follow those promptings of the Holy Spirit. But that's not my main message this morning. This morning I knew I just wanted to bring you this message from Psalm 23. And this time I don't need my phone. But um, I just love that idea that God follows us all the days of our lives. Because his desire for us is to dwell in his house forever. 
That's his desire for me. That's his desire for you. That's his desire for everyone out there because he has made a place for us to be with him forever. Now, last week, we were at the Naturally Supernatural Week at Soul Survivor, and we had a great time, and I think I'm still a bit on a buzz after it. But uh, the highlight for me for that week was to receive a prophetic word. You can book in for a prophetic word, and uh, they've got some really uh, people who just seem so accurate with the words that they give. And um, uh, I had this word. It was really accurate, but the bit I just want to hone into, because there's a lot there, but... Um, um, one of the three ladies leading the session said to me, I can see that you have been hurt and that you have been through many battles and you've been through things that some people would have given up over. But God wants to say thank you because you've stayed faithful. And the lady then started to get quite emotional. And I think because she was actually sensing some of the things that we'd been through in life and uh, and the problem was when she started to get emotional I started to get emotional as well and I was like what's going on because I don't do emotion that's just not sort of my my scene really but I did feel quite emotional at just the thought of God saying thank you um, and afterwards I, I was praying about this and I was saying to God how come you only see the good bits what are all the times I wandered off? What about all the times? What about all my, my times when I was a bit rebellious? The sin, the mistakes, the times I messed up, the stuff I got wrong, the embarrassing things like forgetting my phone and not getting Psalm 23. You know, what about all that stuff? Because that's the stuff that sticks in my mind. And I just felt him remind me, it's all covered. It's all been paid for. And as Jeremiah tells us in... Jeremiah 31, when he promises a new covenant. And part of that new covenant is, I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. Isn't that a tremendous promise? It's all paid for, it's all covered. Now the literal translation of that is, and of their sin I make mention no more. In other words, he doesn't even want to talk about it. You know, when I got that prophetic word, there was nothing about my past and the things I'd got wrong. It was just the fact that God saw times I'd come back to him in repentance and I'd recentered myself. And he was just pleased that I'd done that and that I'd actually come, come back to him. So it's not that God's got a bad memory. It's not that God chooses... Um, you know, he, he, well, yeah, he does. He chooses not to mention it. He chooses to forget um, and when he looks at me or he looks at you what he sees is the robe of righteousness that Jesus won for us on the cross and he is completely satisfied you know we have such a good good father and we sung that this morning I, I, I love that concept we have a good good father now I want to give you a little illustration of um, how it works because Everything, past, present and future, has been paid for. Jesus paid for it on the cross. Now we struggle, I don't know you, struggle with that bit about the future being paid for as well. And we can beat ourselves up sometimes about the sins that we, that, that we commit. But if I can just actually illustrate. Now can you remember when it was back in the summer 
and it was 30 plus degrees in the middle of the drought or even 35 plus degrees, wasn't it? Uh, seems a bit strange now. But um, I want you to imagine during that time, that heat wave, you decided you're going to pop into town for some shopping. And when you got into town, you're doing your shopping and you're suddenly, I'm coming over all a bit, a bit strange here. Yeah, so I'm overheating. I really need a drink. And so you go into a little cafe or whatever in town and then you suddenly, I've got no money, my wallet, my purse, I left it behind. And you say to the person in there, say, oh, can you help me? Because I really, I'm not feeling good. Can you just help me with a nice cool drink? And they, you know, I haven't got any money, I'm really sorry. And they said, well, okay, just, just this one, so I'll give you a drink. You know, oh, that's so much better. And then the next week, oh, blow me, you do exactly the same thing again. That's stupid. So you think, oh, I'll go in that little cafe again. They helped me last time. Said, I'm really sorry. Can you just, just another time, just give me a nice cool drink? And oh, Well, okay, just this once, and they give you another one. Oh, that's so much better. And then the third, oh, you're so stupid, you've done it again. And the third week, you try it again. And the next time, you say, oh, come on, look, you're just taking the rip. Go on, off with you. Now, I think that's how we tend to see God, isn't it? You know, we really have to come, oh, so sorry, God, you know, would you give me, will you? Let me give you another scenario. I haven't told him, but I'm sure, I'm, 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 I'm sure he doesn't mind. But can you imagine that Rob has been in that cafe first and he's taken his wallet out and after the moths have gone, sorry, sorry. No, um, and he takes a big wadge of £20 notes out and he puts it on the counter. He says, when that person comes in for a drink, take it out of there. And when that's gone, I've got plenty more where that came from. Just let me know. And so you go in and you say, oh, I'm really sorry, I'm, I'm stupid, I've, I've forgotten my wallet. Can you give me a drink? Already paid for. And you do it again, you go, oh, already paid for. And you go in again, already paid for. Now, that's our God, isn't it? It's already paid for. We do have such a good, good Father. Now, I don't know if anyone here is into poetry. I can't say I am particularly, but there are one or two poems, for some reason, that just sort of resonate with me. And I just want to share one of them this morning. I'm not going to read a whole poem or anything, but um, the story behind it is actually, I think, really relevant. And it was written by a chap called Francis Thompson. Now, he lived in the second half of the 19th century. He was born near Preston, and his father was a doctor. And his father wanted him to follow in his footsteps, so his father sent him off to medical school. Um, unfortunately, Francis Thompson really didn't want to go to medical school. He was a rather sensitive and creative soul, and all the blood and the gore of surgery in those times just wasn't where he wanted to be. He, he was more interested in writing, and sadly, he had a nervous breakdown. And he ran away from home and ran away from his father and he headed down to London. And in London, familiar story, he fell into homelessness and addiction. And in some ways it's quite a modern story. And he spent three years on the streets, homeless. But to cut a long story short, he was befriended by a family and taken in because they recognised his potential and the potential of his poetry. And he actually came to faith and when he came back, when he came to faith, he looked back at his life and he had this realisation that God had always been there. God had been on his case 
all that time. And he wrote what has become one of the most famous poems. It's called The Hand of Heaven. I don't know if you've come across it, but it was voted Radio 4, one of the nation's favourite poems. But I just love that concept of God being the hand of heaven and he never gives up. He tracks the scent constantly. He keeps nipping at our heels. He keeps on the chase until we say yes. And this is just a little bit of how Francis Thompson put it. I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways of my own mind. And in the mist of tears, I hid from him. Now, the language is a bit archaic, but you get the drift, don't you? He goes on to speak about those strong feet that followed him. They followed him with unhurrying chase and unperturbed pace, deliberate speed, majestic instancy. Now, I don't want to turn this into an English lesson, but I just want to emphasise, you know, that God never lets go. Um, He never gives up on us. And, And the beautiful thing is that once we say yes to Jesus, he chooses not to remember all the stuff that went before. He's just so pleased that we have come to him. Now, speaking personally, I've taken this idea of the hound of heaven into my own prayer life because there are people in my family and there are friends, there are acquaintances who don't know Jesus. And my prayer for them constantly is that the hound of heaven will keep on their case. The Holy Spirit would be the hound of heaven to them. He would never give up. He would never give up the chase. He would keep on the scent. He would keep working on their lives until they eventually say yes. There's a lovely story I came across just recently that illustrates this so well. And it's set in the time of Stalin's Russia. And you know when Stalin wasn't a nice man. And um, he was persecuting the Christians. And one of the edicts was that everybody should have their Bibles confiscated. And in the town of um, Stavropol, um, the town officials really went with great glee through all the Christians' houses, taking anything that was religious or biblical, their Bibles and such like, and took it all away and confiscated the lot. And they put it all into this big warehouse. Now, after the war, when things started to open up again, um, a mission team actually went to this town of Stavropol. And they were trying to get Bibles shipped out there, um, but having a lot of problem, bureaucracy, red tape and such like, and they couldn't get the Bibles shipped out. And then somebody got wind that there was this warehouse full of Bibles. And so they went to the town officials and said, look, there's this warehouse there. Is there any possibility that we can have access to them? And the officials went, well, we don't want them. Yeah, by all means, you you take them. So they rounded up a working party and some transport, and they went to this warehouse. And one of the people who... um, one of the townspeople, he was was an absolute atheist, communist, and he just turned up because he thought there might be a bit of money in it. And he even (coughs) nicked one of the Bibles because he thought he could sell it later. And it came to lunchtime. They suddenly noticed this chap was missing. They thought, well, where is he? And they found him in the corner of the warehouse with this Bible weeping. And this very Bible, out of all those thousands that he had picked up, was his grandmother's. And this is a true story. And inside was his grandmother's signature and some Bible notes that she had written, some texts and such like. And he just read these and 
it was just the key the Holy Spirit needed into his life when he gave his life to Jesus. I mean, isn't that a great story? But you see how the hound of heaven knew exactly the key into his life. And that's my prayer for people who don't know Jesus. Holy Spirit, you know exactly the key into those hard hearts. And my prayer is you keep on the chase until they eventually say yes. And I pray the same for my family, for my daughters, my grandchildren. You know, it's a tough, dangerous old world out there, isn't it? I'm so glad I haven't got young kids nowadays, but that's another story. But uh, we so need God to be constantly on their case, and we need to cover them in prayer. The hound of heaven needs to follow them through life as well. But I don't know about you, but I mean, it does remind me of a story Jesus told, one we often call the prodigal son, the two sons or whatever, because there's another one as well. But I do just want to focus on the prodigal this morning because he's the son who ran off, squandered his father's inheritance, wild living, decadence, parties, ended up in destitution. But you know the story. He decided to go back to his father to see if the father would give him a job as a hired servant. And then this is what happened. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Instead of getting a telling off, he gets a party. You know, that's God, isn't it? He's so good. Now, any earthly father, probably myself included, would be saying, what do you think you were playing at? Fancy wasting all my money. You've been a right idiot, haven't you? A bit like I used to as a teacher. Um, but, you know, that's not God, is it? Um, that's the way I think I imagined that God would treat me. You know, one day I will stand in front of him and instead of hearing, well done, good and faithful servant, I sort of rather expected I'd hear something like, well, well done, sort of. But what about the times when you got this wrong? What about the times you missed that opportunity? What about the times you made bad decisions? What about the times you fell into sinful behaviour? What about the times you were just plain stupid? But that's not what God does at all. I'm convinced instead he's going to say, I don't remember that. I'm not even going to talk about it. Well done, good and faithful servant. And that's what he's going to say to each one of us here. The past has been paid for. It's covered by the blood of Jesus. And that's such a tremendous reassurance, isn't it? He'll see the times we chose him. He'll see the times we re-centred on him. He will see the times we came back in repentance. He'll see the times we chose to put the robe of righteousness on. And he will be satisfied he's a good good father and I just want to finish with a photo now this is my daughter's dog which I always think it looks more like something I'd put on a paint roller but my daughter <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't be happy if, if I did that but uh, we went off to Soul Survivor and my daughter came as well and had to leave her dog behind and that dog is absolutely mad about my daughter for some strange reason. If she goes out of the room, he sits and whimpers till she comes back. If she goes to the loo, he sits outside until she comes out. And of course, she went off to Soul Survivor for a few days. And my son-in-law actually sent this photo through of the dog sitting and just waiting by the door for her to come back. It's quite sad, really, isn't it? <laughs> um, but that's God, isn't it? He's just sitting and waiting for us to come back to him, patiently looking for us to come home. 
Now, I don't uh, know much about you people here. Um, maybe you've been on the journey, the Christian journey, the faith journey for years, but actually the past can still haunt us because it's something that the enemy does. He uses that. He calls it, well, we call it condemnation. The times you got it wrong, the times we messed up. Um, if the past does still affect you, and yeah, get prayer for it because that's not what God sees. He doesn't remember it. He doesn't even want to talk about it. He's just so pleased you're here this morning. He's so pleased you have stayed faithful. And you, he's so pleased that you still want to be in relationship with him. So don't let the enemy <coughs> use the past to spoil everything that God has for you. Because I believe passionately that for each one of us, even at my age, he still has a job, he still has a plan, he still has a purpose over our, our lives. Because this is what he promises. And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. He doesn't even want to talk about it. Shall we just pray? Yeah. Thank you, Father. You are such a good, good God. And I just want to pray for all these lovely people here this morning that they will just have a new revelation of your goodness. And, Father, I just pray for that plan and that purpose over their lives. And we know, Father, that you have something for each one of us to do. You have that purpose over our lives until you call us home. But until then, Father, we give ourselves once again to you. We give ourselves to the work that you've called us to. And, Father, I just pray that um, you would help these people in this church here to fulfill the purpose to which you have called them. And we ask you once again, Holy Spirit, just to come and reveal to us more about Jesus, who just loved us so much that he gave his life for us so that our sins would be remembered no more. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. Amen. Amen. Amen.